this is Louise Campbell, co-host of Surfing the National Army podcast, and I'm standing in this week for Roger Green whilst he takes a well-earned rest. And when he told me it was Jersey Shore, I just automatically thought of the programme. I never knew it was a place, so hopefully he's having a great time on Jersey Shore and having some rest and relaxation. So while the cat is away, the mice get to play. This weekend, we're offering conversations from Season 3, Episode 42, looking at the development framework and how this may be helpful for developing integrated multidisciplinary pathways for people with NASH. One effort. Within this, we delve into the role that patients and allied health professionals have within these and how and why some of these stakeholders are not involved from the beginning. And as you can probably appreciate when you have a bunch of nurses on a podcast with a doctor, it might get a little feisty. So well done, John Schattenberg, and listen for more. So let's talk about digital technology, gamification, and how patients move from being decision followers to decision influencers, and something that pharma, clinical studies, healthcare, and a pathway need to take notice of. Robert uses his digital technology all of the time. We discuss it with patients, they like the gamification, and they provide back data to the professionals. Stephen Callahan introduces the team to the 1990-90 Fast Track initiative. Want to know more? Listen in. This may be new to many of us in the Liversphere. The strengths and defining goals of gamification to motivate patients and health professionals whilst providing service ranking resonated with Jean, so it seemed to be a winner on all counts. Find out more and see what you feel. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear via our websites and pages any of the feedback and comments you have. I was drawn to a comment uh, or something that I looked at earlier on this week and it's a new white paper by IQV on challenging digital health. They opened with a beautiful statement. With changing healthcare dynamics and technology reshaping customer experiences, the patient has now become the centre stage on care continuing. Patients have transitioned from being decision followers to decision influencers. The empowered and powerful patient is on the rise. That was such a beautiful statement about where patients are now forcing and obviously we've got patients and patient advocates like Robert Donna Cryer who fulfill that definition of you need to be involved in writing the pathways and that advocacy at a senior level Robert is really powerful in the liver forum as it is in lots of disease processes HIV was obviously a very big um, push in the 80s and 90s it's only going to get stronger and I think there is from what I can gather a big momentum particularly in fatty liver disease for example for pharma to take that into account as part of their pathways because as you rightly said the patient doesn't just have one disease but we're pushing strongly at the doors to say if you've got a drug that targets one of the main risk factors is it appropriate that you start looking for the patients at risk of the other risk factors and diseases so that holistic view Stephen I'm just going to come to you slightly on this because you were part of a program which I think was for HIV which was 1990 now explain that pathway to me because I thought that was something that might be of interest in liver disease when, when I was thinking about it. Stephen Callahan. Okay, can I just pick up on a point first that, that Robert made, really, which I thought was sort of quite interesting, really. So m- my thoughts really around you know, about sort of getting people involved and getting the cardiologist to speak at, at a, a liver event. I mean that that's just like super, you know, that's really really good. But if you want people to do something, for example, if you want people to measure something an indicator an outcome and ask people to do it they might do it if you ask them to measure and report it you 
get a, 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 a greater uptake in people re- reporting the, the indicator. If you ask people to measure, report it, and they get performance managed on it, then you get a higher uptake and people sort of tend to do it really. And then if you get people to measure, report, performance manage, and they get paid for that, that's when it gets done. So you can have all lovely reports and you can have lovely, great conferences and stuff like that really. If your national framework does not include something that makes a significant difference to commissioners and providers, then the stuff that does will take over. You know, it's like, that's really, really important. Liver disease is really important, but I'm not being performance managed on it. It's got nothing to do with my finances. However, this dementia is, you know, we've got two year waiting list on dementia. We need to get more people diagnosed, blah, blah, blah. Right, okay. Michelle Clayton. I think that's a very fair point that you make. And just to say that the UK Liver Alliance is really pushing at the moment because there is a recognition that GPs don't get paid in terms of looking at liver health. And that will aid earlier diagnosis. However, we're going to get that with earlier diagnosis, but really we want to be preventing liver disease. And that's why that public health agenda is really important as well. Absolutely, 100%. Answer your question, Louise. I'll just sort of take you back where the HIV work I was involved in, which, which is a global success, really. Um, it's about identifying the most important measures across a pathway. So I, I think of a pathway, I, th- I think you can measure a pathway in three different ways. I think you can measure the high level steps across the pathway. So if you've got, say, for example, prevention, di- just as an example, prevention, diagnosis, management of chronic, management of acute, I don't know, advanced therapies and palliative care or something like that, really, you can measure those high level sort of steps and then you measure the indicators within each step so around diagnosis you could measure a number of indicators and then what the HIV experts have done is that they identified about three or four indicators that distill absolutely everything that you're trying to achieve and made it a global language so it's it's called the Fast Track City Initiative as I said it's a global success and and, and they started out with this basic concept of 90-90-90 so you get 90% of the people that you know of in your area with HIV diagnosed and know their status. Of those 90%, you get 90% on treatment and retained in care. And of those 90%, you get 90% with a suppressed viral load. So that means that they can't transmit the virus. And then if they can't transmit the virus, then the final indicator becomes a great public health indicator because they're preventing HIV. So it's called the 90-90-90. Is that successful if the indicators are now 95-95? 95. The higher the percentage you go up, the harder it is to sort of find people, engage people in, in, in care, really. And so HIV is a very complex disease. There's lots of indicators that apply across the pathway from psychological care to bone health. But what's more important than getting people diagnosed, getting on treatment and suppressing the viral load? Now, I've sort of had this debate with Louise and, and asked the question, can this concept be replicated for fatty liver disease? And we've both concluded that the answer is yes. You know, and to prove... You can take it from a communicable disease area. I've just replicated this in another disease area um, and we actually start next year and it's already starting to grab global attention, really. It's that successful, a universal language. I could phone up a city in Africa, in the Far East, in South America, North America, and I can say, what's your second 90? And they know what I'd be talking about. They might say, oh, it's 89 or ours is 94 or hey, we kiss our 90s, you know. It's a fabulous concept. The concept is simple and that's that's the beauty of it. It's a simple concept. I think it would work in fatty liver disease um, if 
focuses the attention. I know, Ren. We didn't quite think when we were discussing it, to be fair, that we could go for 90% of people with fatty liver disease diagnosis. Yes, we no, no, yeah. We thought, we thought, yeah, yeah. So, so 60, 70, 80, wasn't it, I think? Yes. Yeah, but that was the idea in HIV. It, it was just fabulous. It started out with 16 cities, and there's now over 400 cities worldwide that have signed up for this. And that, as, as I say, I've transferred this to another disease area. I'm currently building the platform for it. And it, it could be used in lots of different disease areas, really. I liked the simplicity of the thinking behind it. You could do it, Jean, when I think about it, when we discussed about the clinical trial failures last time and the struggle to get people into trials, finding that 90% of the population who are eligible who, and getting the numbers better for who's going to get in. So I could visualise this sort of pathway and simplicity in anything. Either I want as a nurse to have 90% of my patients engaged in the care of those 90% that get the care do we can we suspend and get them on, on the pathway can them then concentrate on the 10% who are probably deteriorating heading towards transplant and things like that so that type of thing I could visualize in a lot of the work that myself or allied professionals have done and and quite a simple I couldn't believe it when I was thinking yeah that I thought that could work any other comments from others Jaren Schattenberg just to add on it resonates with me Stephen and the good point is of course that's been established right so you can recapitulate that and physicians relate to it that's my quick thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, Michelle, you absolutely 100% agree with you that prevention is most important, but we do need to find people. And um, I mean, you know, I just sort of scribbled down here, you know, maybe as a young adult, you find 90% of people and they have a criteria. So 90% of people with type 2 diabetes with a BMI of over 35 are identified for a fibro scan. Of those 90%, if they're diagnosed with fatty liver disease, 90% are on a treatment pathway. Of those 90% on a treatment pathway, blah, blah, and then whatever your outcome would be. So it, you can actually play around with the figures and play around with the idea. It's a great concept. It's simple. I'm happy to discuss it further and take my learning. I've taken this from a communicable disease to a non-communicable disease. It, it's great. I was just going to say, it sounds very interesting. And I think, as you say, you can use sort of different parameters, can't you, for different patient groups? risk factors etc so I mean it's something that I certainly will, will be doing some more reading about yes thank you Robert is it something that if you said I was diagnosed with X I now want to be the 90% of I know where you're trying to get to this is it something that would resonate to say that I've been diagnosed now I want to be the person who gets to the best lifestyle advice and stuff and now, now I need to be the next 10 that would do this is that something that you can see Robert Mitchell Thane I think it's a great question I think it's a great question concept. So it feels just within this, you know, two minute section that it might be the next way forward in terms of digital health. Because one of the things we talk about when we talk about digital health is the gamification of it. So if you are able to get your diagnosis and then you're on the treatment and then you see that you're in the 67th percentile of whatever measurement it is, that's a motivation. And you think, actually, I'm just going to push on. I'm just going to go and really go for this. And then you get you to the 72nd percentile. That's a really nice way because ultimately when when we're still looking at NAFO treatment, self-care is everything. And so the more motivated we are, the more supported we are, the more empowered we are as individuals, the better we're going to do. And it's a cracking idea. And, and to have those kind of concepts in place, I think would be enormously empowering for patients. It resonates with me because you can define goals. The aspect Robert mentioned, the gamification. I like that because it's a motivator for patients. It's a motivator for health professionals. And you know, it allows you to rank also your service 
service and what have you achieved and where can you refine your service maybe or you offer that for the system or as an individual, you know, where where do I have to work myself up? So I think it's an interesting, again, the numbers in the non-communicable disease area, it's a little tougher for the outcomes. But um, as Stephen mentioned, patients going on to a referral pathway or having certain checkups completed, that could be one number of interest for these patients as far as we've defined quality of care for them today. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Until then, stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.